You're listening to the See the Upside podcast, where we talk about overcoming obstacles, choosing positivity, and doing life a little better every day. I'm your podcast host, Nina Bleicher. On the show, we share real stories and speak with industry experts about how to expand and grow through difficult change. We don't always get to choose the challenges that show up in our life, but we do get to decide how we view them. In those hard moments, there are always beautiful invitations. That's what See the Upside podcast is all about. Navigating the hard moments, but then finding the opportunity to heal, grow, and connect. I'm so grateful you're here and can't wait to share these conversations with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the See the Upside podcast. On today's episode, I've got Benjamin Bernstein, who is going to do an astrological reading. He's a multifaceted guy who is a shaman and an astrology expert, a coach to a life coach. But today we're going to focus on looking at my natal chart and deep diving into all of the different elements of it and what that means. So I'm really excited for this episode today. Thanks, Benjamin, for joining. Oh, my pleasure. It's an honor to be able to uh, read for you in this public way. And thank you for your willingness to be transparent with all this. Yay. I'm so excited. I'm so much more than just a Virgo son. Oh, wait. So we're all, as my astrology mentor said, we're all, all 12 signs, strangely mixed. Yes. Love that. (laughs) So first, give me a sense of how long we have to do the interpretation so I can pace myself. I would say, you know, let's keep it to about 40, 45 minutes at the most somewhere. All right. So that's, that's highlights only. So in that time, you know, for me, I've learned having done about 10,000 of these Uh that, um, it really takes 90 minutes to do what I consider a thorough job of really diving into a natal chart. Okay. But uh, this is long enough to get some some salient points and some like headlines more than just okay. a full deep dive. So just understand the limitation of the time frame. Okay. Okay. Got it. So um, I could just kind of give a general read, or if you have any particular focus areas you want me to dive into, I can put emphasis wherever you want it to be. Let's start with a general read, and then we can kind of go off on our tangents if we want to. Okay. All right. So your strongest energy is actually Virgo, and you do have a Virgo sun. You also have the planet Mars in Virgo, which is conjunct your sun. And Virgo is also the sign on the cusp of house number seven. I'm going to read as if we have people here who may know nothing about astrology, which I'm sure is true of at least some listeners. Okay. So... There's 12 houses in an astrology chart. It's like a circle with 12 pie cuts in it. Each of those houses is an area of life, okay? And there's three levels of astrology. The planets and points are the impulses. The signs is their psychological coloring. And the houses is the areas of life they express into. So it's kind of like three-dimensional chess, okay? So you have the sun in Virgo. The sun is not the whole of you. You know, there's way so much more than the sun. It's just one of many puzzle pieces. But... The sun is the core of identity, and it is a good representative of vitality. So what this lets me know is there's three basic positive expressions of Virgo that you might be interested in. You don't have to do them all. What I find is almost universally true of Virgo suns is they're really good with details. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you can see the little nuances and subtleties that most other people miss. Is that true? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've also found it to be usually true that Virgos are not just hard on other people, they're hard on themselves. Oh, yeah. That's like the number one, I would say, is that we have very high standards, but we're Mm -hmm. very hard on ourselves. We have highest standards for ourselves. Yeah. The old joke of Virgos say, you think I'm hard on you, you see how hard I am on me. Yeah, that's so (laughs) true. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that's that's a positive and a negative. Jeez. Exactly. And and I, I have a lot of Virgo too. My moon's in Virgo. I have a lot of mm. um, planets in house number six, which has a Virgo flavoring to it. So I'm well-versed. That's one of my strongest energies too. Okay. So what I've learned is here's some basic Virgo advice. There's no need to hyper perfect. 
Uh, a Virgo tendency can be, I just need to make everything to the ultimate level of the best it can possibly be. And I did that for a lot of years until I finally realized, oh my God, I'm spending all this time hyper-perfecting this one thing when I could be doing 10 or 12 other things well enough. Yeah. But what I've learned is do it well enough to serve and then let it go and move on to the next thing. Not everything has to go to the highest ultimate perfection. Well, and people who are striving for perfection and are so nitpicky in that way, it's not a very likable characteristic, Mm -mm, you know? I mean, people don't like to be around people like that. So yeah, yeah, I'm trying to let go of perfection a little bit. I recently heard a a beautiful phrase that, that nails this. The phrase is perfection is a direction. Mm. And what I interpret that mean is perfection can never be attained, but it's okay to move in that direction. So in other words, you want to move toward perfection, but you got to realize there's no perfect here in 3D. Nothing ever gets to an ultimate perfection at all. So you yeah. say, okay, that's, that's, what, that's why I say good enough to serve, but don't become obsessed with, you know, hanging on to it forever because it's never just as perfect as it could possibly be. That's not necessary. Just well enough to serve and move along to the next thing. Yeah, love is that. A, is a good Virgo piece of advice. Virgo is, and by the way, you, I would say you have a Virgo superpower with again, sun, Mars, mm-hmm. one of the critical angles in Virgo. And there's actually a total of five points in Virgo for you. I haven't named them all. So just understand that most people couldn't achieve your natural level of perfection if they tried their whole life. So don't expect others to perceive the subtleties you perceive and don't expect them to be able to achieve the levels of perfection that you're capable of. It's just not in the wheelhouse of most people. Okay. All right. So next is um, health. Virgo is the sign of health. And not every Virgo is really focused on their own health, but it's pretty common. So, you know, a good use of Virgo energy is to maintain your own health the best you can. Again, it's health is holistic. It's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, all of it. And often people with a strong Virgo energy want to act as a healer for others. So here with this podcast, what are you doing? You've been through your own difficulties. (laughs) You're offering healing advice and energy to others who've been through similar traumas, right? Yes, exactly. So here you are stepping, stepping out as the healer, a natural thing for a Virgo energy to do. Okay. Yeah. Let me think. There's a third Virgo, perfectionism and healing and discipline. That's a uh, very Virgo. Okay. Actually, you, you hit it. It's it's about systems and procedures. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Virgo is the sign that is most well suited to systematic, being really well organized, having systems and procedures in place, and just kind of have a system and stick with it until it needs upgrade. And of course, as a Virgo, you'll always oh, I can improve the system. Let's take it up a level, right? So constant improvement is uh, is a part of it, but but have good systems and procedures in place is is another Virgo superpower. So automate and you know routinize what is best done in that way, so that you can leave maximum room for the creative stuff. Okay, so those are both some of the highs and lows of Virgo. So that's just the fact that you got a lot of Virgo energy. Now let's go a little deeper on some of the planets. You have Mars in Virgo, okay, mm-hmm. and. This, wherever Mars lies, is what you tend to have a lot of passion about. So mm-hmm. one simple way to think about it, you're just passionate about, you know, you know, perfecting things or making them really good or, sur- oh, I forgot. The, the other big Virgo theme is serving other people. Mm. Service. Yeah, it's the sign of service. So that's what you're doing with this podcast. So, you know, when you serve others and not just any old way, you know, what I've learned is I, I borrow something from the wonderful writer Gay Hendricks. I, I think optimally you want to serve in your zone of genius. Have you heard of the zone of genius concept? Kind of. Yeah, I know a little bit about it. Okay, so just to just to thumbnail it, he gives four zones. The zone of incompetence, obviously you can't do that well, delegate it to someone else. The zone of competence, anyone can wash a dish or sweep a floor. You know, If you've got better things to do, try to get other people to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trickiest zone is the zone of excellence, which sounds good, but... You know, just because you're really good at something or you're paid well or other people want you to do it doesn't mean that's actually the best use of your time. If it's repeatable and you've got a zone of genius, you're better off hanging out in. Even the zone of excellence should be delegated as much as possible. The The principle mm-hmm. here for high achievers is if it has to be done more than once in the same way, delegate it. And then therefore, what you leave maximum space for is a zone of genius, which is you 
doing the thing that only you can do. Only you can do this podcast. No one else would do it like you did it, okay? The things that are your unique creative expressions that you're uniquely, that feel aligned with life purpose, that you're excited about, you're either already good at it or you're getting good at it. You don't already have to be expert at it, but you it's like you can be developed into a functional genius. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah. So that, that in service, you know, with this Virgo, this strong desire to serve, one of the low sides of Virgo can be you become a people pleaser and you just mm. do what anyone wants you to do and you become a doormat, okay? So yeah. you got to be careful not to just please anyone who wants you to do anything at all, but to say as much as possible, can I serve in the ways that I'm uniquely equipped to serve? There's an old saying that every person is born in response to the need of the collective. Mm. And you have certain special gifts and talents that you either do uniquely well or you're better than most and you're excited about them and so try as much as possible to channel the service into those areas. And that'll create the most fulfilling life for you. And you'll be giving that unique special benefit you can give that most other people can't. Well, I think another thing Virgos do is in that vein, like the need to serve along with the perfection is we Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, I'll just do it because I do it right. And I do it better. Mm -hmm. Something like loading the dishwasher or something where we... We need to kind of learn to let go that like, it's okay if it's not done exactly the way we would do it, you know, mm-hmm. and realizing that it's okay to use our efforts towards something else, you know, right. like that, uh, that yeah. that's a good lesson okay, for good. me, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Like that. Um, and I want to, now there's two asteroid goddesses in Virgo, Pallas, Athena, and Ceres for the sake of time. And because we're kind of hitting highlights, I'm not going to get yeah. into that so much, but okay. Uh, I do want to touch briefly on the Virgo descendant. So um, in astrology, there are 12 houses and each one has a beginning, which is called a cusp. Okay. So your seventh house cusp is Virgo. And the seventh house is the house of all important relationships across the board. And the full list might be potentially spouse, lover, friend, business partner, um, open enemy, literally anyone who's important in your life for any reason. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with Virgo there, you say, yeah, I'm guessing you're, you've always been very discriminating about who you spend time with. You won't just hang out with anybody. And this is appropriate. You don't want to just hang out with anybody, but be, be very conscientious and careful in who you choose to spend time with because Virgo is a mutable sign and you tend to be influenced by the people you hang out with. You know, they, there's an old saying, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. Yes. So true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. so just choose your, your relationships, all levels carefully. If they're, if you can't avoid someone, then just work with that person the best you can. But where you have yeah. choice, like with friends, mm-hmm. choose the friends who align with your life purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've gotten pretty good at that. It's, it's a little bit of an art that you learn over time, but yeah, oh, yeah. I'm getting much yeah. better. We hmm. always get better at that. So any questions about the Virgo stuff? No. Okay. And, and as it turns out, all these Virgo things I've talked about, except for the descendant, are in house number six, which is the Virgo flavored house anyway. So in your case, the sign of the house have the same exact meaning. So we've covered that base pretty well. Now let's move on to your moon. In astrology, we have something called a primal triad, three points that are of, of usually the most important sun, moon, and the ascendant. So we've done the sun and some related points. Let's go to the moon. And your moon's in a very interesting configuration, okay? So the moon is your emotions. The moon represents your emotions, your home, your family, your your natural instincts toward things, your happiness. And the moon is in Aries, which is fire a Fire sign. <laughs> well, it's a fire sign, actually. Yeah. Yes. So, so it's a passionate, emotional nature. So, yeah, your personality is all careful and considered, but you've got this passionate, fiery, emotional nature at the same time. Does that make sense to you that you can, can you become very emotionally excited about things and really emotionally revved up about stuff sometimes? Yeah, I am. And I think it's interesting because I recently learned, I I didn't know that my moon was in Aries, but it kind of explains a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of fun to, you know, we Virgos are buttoned up pretty tight. So Mm -hmm. kind of even just knowing that gave me a little bit more permission to be a little bit more unbridled emotionally, you know, I love that. There's it. And it's once we get into everything the moon's connecting to, you're going to, it's go so deep. Let me, so basically you're, you are built to have a fiery emotional nature is what this is saying. 
you you're you're encouraged to feel your emotions even passionately. And this is whether they're positive or negative, just feel them all the way. Okay. Okay. So the moon is also the moon is in a aspect pattern with several other points and planets. The most strong is the moon is right next to Chiron. Okay. Uh, In the chart there, it looks like an old fashioned key. I have a green in my chart. They're not, they're barely more than a degree apart. So Chiron is the wounded healer. Okay. So here's the moon emotions right next to the planet of wounding and healing. So most people with a Moon-Chiron conjunction have had their fair share of trauma. Mm. Would it be fair to say that throughout your life, you've had your share of significant emotional challenges? Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. So so I would say that was by design. Okay. That's crazy, right? So in, in the other podcast we recorded, I mentioned one of my favorite books is Journey of Souls by Michael Newton. And he says... You know, the soul actually will pre-plan certain life events, including really traumatic ones, because of the mm-hmm. ones we need for our soul growth. Wow. So, um, and and the good news is, you know, if you you're obviously on the path of the healer, at least to some degree, right? I hope so. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. Yes. And the usual setup is the person who comes in as a healer has to experience the trauma themselves, learn to heal it internally. And that is what qualifies them to help others with their healing. Wow. You've been there and done that and you know how it works. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Very you, true. if you want to frame it positively, say, wow, all the trauma I've ever experienced has simply been on the job training. Yeah. I'm supposed yeah. to experience that so I can share it. Yeah. How yeah. to heal. And then on the other podcast we recorded, I get into the healing invocation and how simple it can be to clear that. So that let's not repeat that material. But, you know, with a moon Chiron conjunction, it becomes really helpful if you can master some kind of shadow work technique where you're able to face mm. and quickly and efficiently heal those old challenging emotions so they don't keep dogging you because they will keep coming back endlessly until you do heal them. So you may as well get them out of the way. Right. Yeah. So, so mastering with the moon current conjunction, mastering ma- shadow work and emotional healing is one of the key life prescriptions. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. I, have a, I have kind of a sidebar question. Uh-huh. Someone told me that I have a yod in my chart, but I don't know where that is or what, even quite uh, what it is. Yes. The yod is the ascendant Uranus and Mercury that I saw. Okay. So I'll be happy to, you know, if we have time, I'll include, and that, that I'll just, okay. yeah, that is the yod that says you are here to share your unconventional thinking with the world, to put it as simply as possible. Because Mercury is communication, Uranus, the other planet is unconventional thinking, the genius part of you thinking outside the box, and I'll go into the ascendant, which is that third part of the primal triad I mentioned, where the ascendant is where you meet the world. You can think of it, that's where I walk down the street and meet people. Okay, it's the persona that people see when they see Nina. Okay, so it says my unusual thinking and ways of expressing myself are what I need to let the world see. And are yods pretty rare? I mean, like how rare? Oh, uh, they? they're they're fairly common. Oh, okay, all yeah. right. Yeah. So so basically, but again, the yod also requires adjustment, and you, you kind of they don't naturally express usually you've got to get past some internal obstacles before they come alive so i'm guessing if there's any insecurities any sense of oh people get freaked out or i'm not worthy of sharing this weird thought those kind of things Mm. come up that's what will block the expression of your unique genius to the world okay so um and so part of your work is to get past the inner inhibitions do the internal healing that will allow you to more freely express your original thoughts to the world would be a great way to work that yacht Okay. Yeah. And the nickname for the odd is the finger of God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, so thanks for asking about that. Now, let me return to your moon because I've got a whole story to tell about that. Oh, good. I can't wait. <laughs> so moon, Chiron, we talked about, you know, you have fiery, powerful emotions. You're more than your share of trauma, but the moon Chiron externally expressed in a positive way says I can passionately you know, bring healing and wisdom to others. You know, Mm. Chiron internally is your own trauma work. Externally, Chiron is the wisdom giver and the healer. Now, now technically Chiron is the mentor 
which implies like a, a private one-on-one -on -one connection with another person. But in practice, it extends beyond that just to general wisdom sharing. And they're both, in, you know, in the house system I use, which is called Porphyry, there's there's about 40 different ways to divide up those 12 houses, but this is the one I use. I've got him in your first house. So that's the house of also where you meet the world, you know, the public you. So to have that that says you should feel comfortable showing your healing and wisdom giving to the world. And they're My in Aries, passionate which they, healing. Yeah. <laughs> and Aries is proactive. Aries doesn't wait. To be oh out. my gosh. We're Aries not would patient. Ask, yeah. yeah. Aries <laughs> would rather ask forgiveness than permission sometimes. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So Aries says, which get is, out there and be proactive. Share it with the world in the way you, what did, I mean, did, did you ask anyone's permission to this podcast or did you just make it? No, happen? I just did it. I didn't right. even think about it. Yeah. I just kind of dove right in. That's right. funny, which is, it's so funny to me because all of this is so polar opposite of a Virgo, you know? <laughs> well, you're so much more than Virgo. Yes. And you wait till we get to my energies. ascendant, because that's yeah. going to add a whole nother oh, watery yeah. mix I, to it. <laughs> but we've got some more work to do with your moon before we get to your ascendant. Yeah, okay. Your moon okay, is, okay. In a, is in a something called an aspect pattern, okay? So we've done moon Chiron in the house and the sign. So we got that covered. Now, what's right across from your moon and Chiron? Uranus. You know, Uranus, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's the blue guy, the outer planet. Mm -hmm. So Uranus is is tightly opposing the moon and Chiron. Okay. So Uranus, what's it? It's the weirdo planet. Uranus says, I need to be my unique, one-of-a-kind self. It says any, you know, when Uranus is strong like it is for you, any hope of passing for normal goes out the window. Okay. You can try to be normal, but it's a lost cause. Have you ever been able to fit in just as a regular old person or have you always somehow stuck out as unique or different, no matter how hard you tried to not? I don't know. That's a tough question to answer. I'm not really sure. I don't think of myself as super quirky. Has there, Well, it doesn't have to be like you've got blue hair or anything, but has there always been something about you that kind of stood out in some unique way? I guess so. Yeah. And, and that could be anything that's just not normal stuff. Yeah. So, so anyhow, but here's what, how Uranus works specifically with the moon in Chiron. It says the healing modalities you bring out to the world and the mentoring you give will be ultimately unique and original. Now, Ooh. depending on your journey, you know, people who are like fairly early in that journey of being a wisdom giver or healer, often they'll be doing other people's systems. They'll be copying from other folks. But ultimately, when you mature and get into the stuff you're really here to do, it'll be your own unique flavor. I love hearing that. That is so cool. That's such a motivator. Yeah. So I, for example, I have an Aquarius, Uranus and Aquarius are the same energy. One's a planet, one's a sign. They have the same meaning. And I have, I have Uranus on my ascendant, Aquarius sun. And in my experience has been no matter how hard I have tried to do it anyone else's way or try to hone strictly tradition, it never works. No matter how hard I try, it ends up doing mm. some kind of hybrid thing, whether I want it to or not. And when you have Uranus this strong to this many planets, you know, you also are here ultimately to do it your unique way. You won't have to make an effort to do that, but you'll find you'll get these inspirations and intuitive hits, which is how Uranus operates. It's the divine mind communicating down to Nina, right? And by following these intuitive hits and inspirations and making these endless modifications with your Virgo, you'll end up with something that is your own unique flavor of the thing. So just be ready to have it ultimately grow into your own unique Nina flavor that only Nina could offer. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So if you're not there yet, you totally have the potential to grow into that. And that says in terms of how you heal, you might learn other people's modalities, but you'll end up doing your own unique flavor of healing. Maybe mm. you'll have several modalities and you make your own unique combo of them and you start putting spins and variations on them or something, you know? Yeah. The wisdom you give ultimately will be intuitively inspired. Are you already at the point where you're giving advice and all of a sudden something comes out of your mouth you hadn't expected and it's like I, you just channeled it instead of planned it yeah a lot of my writing happens that way like articles that i write or blogs that i mm -hmm. write or posts that i write and yeah, yeah. and it's i yeah. do find that the guests like even you do feel divinely dropped into my world mm -hmm. you know yeah. or connected to me that that we got connected for a reason Right. So, so I, I guarantee you, the deeper you take your own awakening and healing process, the more synchronicity, the more spontaneous stuff like that will happen. There's two mm. planets of, of intuition. Uranus is the one that's like lightning strike. Aha, Eureka. OK, and it's a very strong energy for you. 
Okay. So just know that the deeper you open and the more clear you become, the more of those intuitive hits will show up and the more your unique flavor will emerge in ways you can't even imagine right now. That's so cool. So, so you're honestly very exciting that way. Now, every every setup has both high and low potentials. So Uranus opposing the moon can be emotionally disruptive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, what you'll discover, let me let me give you the three high expressions of Uranus so you know how to use this guy. Okay. So first is f- be your own unique self the best you know how. Internally, okay. don't resist whatever is unique or different inside you. And where appropriate, show it to the world. That doesn't mean you have to fly your freak flag up the pole for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's some context where you might want to kind of just not show a certain aspect if people aren't receptive to that, but where it's okay, let the real you shine. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the, and so internally don't reject what's unique and externalize it as appropriate. What's unique and different. Second is to trust the intuitive hits and act on them. Do you, can you consistently tell the difference between an honest to God intuitive hit and just another passing thought? I'm getting there, I would say. Okay. So I can actually tell you how to tell the difference because I've, okay. I've I've queried hundreds of clients on this over the years. They all agree with the following statement. When it's a real intuitive hit, which means your higher self sent it down as a divine hint, then the moment it arrives, there's a full body. Yes, you know it in your gut. You know it in your bones. Your body says yes. Okay. okay. And even if your mind doubts it an instant later, that does not negate the yesness of the original thought. Mm, so I think another, it, yeah, yeah, another thing I've heard is that to know your intuition, you don't have to back it with facts. It just no. is the decision. You know, you just know that's the choice. You don't yes. feel like you have to support it with data right. or you know whatever. Yeah. It's like no, this is it. Yeah, the higher self rarely explains itself, which tells you this is how it is done, right? Mm-hmm. Because the reasons are probably beyond your human level of understanding anyway. Your higher self yeah. has its own reasons that a human brain can't even comprehend. Mm, okay. okay. So basically, if if the, the gut says yes, if the body says yes, just trust it. Now, let's okay. reality check that. If you think back in your life, can you think of times when you've gotten guidances like that where it felt like divine intuition? Yeah, yes, yeah. for sure. So yeah, let's yeah. let's divide like if you're like most humans, sometimes you did it and sometimes you didn't, right? Did things go better when you followed the intuitive hit or when you did not follow it? When you follow the intuitive hit. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody tells me that, but I wanted to hear it from your mouth. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. No, definitely. And then sometimes <laughs> you don't follow it and you follow the data backed decision mm-hmm. or, you know, the 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 one that looks better on paper or something. And you go back and you say, I knew, I knew, uh-huh. you know, you, I, I think you, I always feel that when I made the wrong choice. Yeah. So you eventually with enough experiences like that, when you realize consistently, when I follow the intuition, it works better. When I don't, it eventually messes up. Then yes. you humble your, your human self gets humble to say, wow, this part really does know better than I do. And I should just trust it. Yeah. I don't have to understand it. I just need to take its word because it's so reliable. Yeah. yeah. It's a practice to learn yeah. to get used to doing that and to learn mm-hmm. to hear it, I guess, or feel it. It's well, you're feeling. hearing it already. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the more you awaken, the more clearly you'll hear it. You know, mm-hmm. you may not be catching some of the subtle ones, but the more you awaken, the more you'll hear more of those guidances. Eventually, it can be a constant stream where it's just, you know, flow continuously. Yeah. Yeah. I want that. <laughs> well, Keep, keep working on your awakening, okay? Yeah. So that's level two, Uranus. The level three, I've, I've mentioned earlier in relation to Virgo, I kind of stole the Uranus keyword over to Virgo. I said, do serve others using your special gifts and talents that you most love to use. Okay. So basically, since Uranus connects to the moon, the more you embrace and express your authentic self, the more you follow your intuitive hits, the more you serve others with your special gifts and talents you most love to use, the happier you're going to be. Mm. Moon is your emotions, <laughs> right? So Uranus and the Moon connection says you do the high side Uranus, it'll amplify your, and it won't just be a regular. It'll be an electrified happiness. It'll be you know just ecstatic happiness because mm. Uranus Moon is like an electrified joy. Okay, yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Now, I like what that. if what if you don't know what's the low side of Uranus? Chaos, instability, ADD, craziness, bouncing around mm. like a pinball. So if you start to feel like that then you might think, okay, what Uranus high side am I not doing? Am I not mm-hmm. following up on intuitive events I got? Am I not expressing my 
my best, highest service? Am I not embracing what's unique or expressing what's unique about me? So if you're getting the agitated low side of Uranus, then just default to the high side and give it something better to do. Mm. That makes sense? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's Uranus. And then let's bring in the other planets. So, so far we've been looking at an opposition. Mm-hmm. So the moon and Chiron are right across the chart from Uranus. And now I'm going to bring in two more players. Uranus is next to Juno. And in the chart, it's right above Uranus. It looks like a cross with a bad hair day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's the asteroid goddess of committed partnership. Okay. Not just any old partnership, but when you're in a, a container that you're both choosing to maintain. Okay. For a longer period. And then they, all these planets, all four of them make a square or a right angle down to Venus. And Venus has a number of meanings, but for right now, let's just say she represents all relationships. So you've got not one, but two relational points in this configuration. Okay. So now we say you need to be hanging out with the right people. Okay. If you want to be happy, if you want to heal, if you want to serve and share your wisdom, you need to create the proper human alliances that support that. Okay. That makes and perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. And this works on kind of two levels. One is you want to have your own teachers and mentors and partners who are supporting your healing and, and wisdom giving work. And you, this says uh, at some level, you'll be in tight connection with those you're serving. There, there will probably be some degree of one-to-one service here with Juno in the mix where you are creating at least temporarily strong sealed containers with someone you're working with to help heal them or to give them wisdom. So if you're not already, you could become a coach. You become some kind of healer. That could be in the mix at some point. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that, or some player, even if, and in a sense, you're doing it already with your podcast. You're, in a sense, everyone is listening to you is in sort of a container with you. If they listen to a lot of your podcasts, you've sort of created a virtual one-to-one connection. And, yeah, that's and true. With, with tech, current technology, that could loosely represent Juno. And it, and it definitely represents Venus. Okay. So this is the, the people factor that gets, that's put in here. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And then Venus is also creativity. Venus is the artist. Okay. So you, your creativity gets put in the mix here. Now the creativity could be the podcast. Okay. Now we think creativity, oh, music, art, dance, theater, but creativity is just creating anything that wasn't there before. And your podcast is a creative project. You are creating it out of something that didn't exist before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and writing, I like writing too. Which well, yeah, is that could creative. be part of it. Yeah. And you have other, we have, we mentioned the writing indicator earlier with the odd. Okay. So I haven't brought your mercury in yet. Yeah. But any kind of creativity is supportive here. And it even suggests that you may find cathartic creativity to be helpful. If you're working on your own shadow mm. self, some kind of art therapy or creative outlet, you know, doing some kind of journaling or writing or creative expression of the trauma in a creative way might be a helpful modality toward healing it as one possible avenue of expression here. Does that make sense? Yes. I like okay. That. We're putting together a bunch of planets into one interpretation. We brought together the moon, Chiron, Uranus, Juno, and Venus all together here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And why don't we add one more layer while we're at it? Okay. The lunar nodes. Okay. If you look in your chart, Venus is right next to a, a little horseshoe with an opening to the top. That's the south node of the moon. And right across from the south node up at near the top is the north node, a horseshoe. And it's it's kind of loose, but we could think of all those planets forming a big old gigantic geometrical square. The north node at one corner, then Chiron and Moon on the next corner, and then Venus in the south node in the third corner. Fourth corner is Uranus and Juno, and then back to the north node at the top. Now, I'm using kind of loose orbs deliberately. Orb means how exact is the aspect, but I, I feel them all connecting. So that, to keep it simple, says all this ties into your life purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Lunar nodes is the the hot point of astrology for showing life purpose. And therefore, everything I've talked about when mastered is actually a big part of the reason why you even bother to incarnate as Nina. I I could spend another hour just on that grand cross, but um, there's a little <laughs> bit more to talk about. <laughs> I wish we could just keep going and going and going. It's so fun. So let me bring in your ascendant because a whole new flavor comes here. Okay. Just to recap, we've covered the Virgo, Sun, Mars, the descendant. We've covered that whole moon, grand cross configuration, all that stuff. 
let's go to something simpler. Your ascendant is Pisces. Okay? Yes. Which, which is a very different energy than these other two. Okay. So the ascendant is Pisces. And keywords for Pisces is the chameleon, the shapeshifter. So basically with a Pisces ascendant, you can put on any mask or persona you want. Like uh, there's a lot of actors who have a Pisces ascendant, for example, or strong Pisces energy. So basically you have no fixed persona and you can put on whatever image or glamour you wish to the world. Which ascendant, can you explain for everybody what that is? That's how you, you present yes. yourself to the world, right? Yes. Or something and, like that. And in the horoscope, it's the beginning of the very first house, which is on the left edge of the chart. Mm-hmm. Beginning of house number one. You you have yours right around 18 degrees Pisces. Okay. That says where you meet the world, you can project whatever image you want. And that's perfectly fine. Now, a practical effect of a Pisces ascendant is high empathic sensitivity. You're probably an HSP, a highly sensitive person. Does that correlate? I would feel? say that I am. Yeah. Okay. I'm very intuitive for sure mm-hmm. in yeah. feeling and energies. And yeah. And the problem with that is you take on, like we were talking earlier, you take on the energy of people around you. So I have to be really careful with that. Yeah. I've gotten better. But you don't have to keep it. I'll get into that in a minute. Okay. Feel it, look at it, let it go. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. And uh, that healing invocation we discussed in the other podcast is a great way to release any energy you might pick up as an empath. Yeah. And by the way, I have to add briefly, not only do you have a Pisces ascendant, but you have so many aspects from the planet Neptune. It's super intense. When I look at and and I should explain Pisces and Neptune are the same energy. One's a planet, one's a sign, but they have the same energetic effect. And even if you have no Pisces, if you have a lot of Neptune aspects, it's as if you were a Pisces because Neptune, you know, has the same effect, transparency, shape-shifting, mm. all that. And when I look at your Neptune aspects, you there's only five personal planets in a person's chart. Neptune connects to four out of five. Okay. And all the connections are pretty strong, but one. So basically, even if you didn't have a Pisces, I said, I'd look at all those Neptune aspects and say, oh my God, empath, highly sensitive person, totally, right? So your sensitivity wow. is indicated in, in two ways, not just one, not just Pisces, but all the Neptune connections. So, but let's get to what all that means. So mm-hmm. Pisces and Neptune have certain things that are just amazing potentials, okay? One is spiritual awakening, okay? This is the final archetype. Astrology has 12 archetypes. This is the last one. And the basic idea is you build up stuff in the first 11 and the 12th, you release it all. Okay. So Pisces and Neptune say, I can release into oneness. Okay. So usually people with this much Pisces and Neptune energy have easier access to the internal realm. I'm curious in your life, have you had easier natural access to other dimensions and realms beyond the physical? Has that just been kind of easy for you? Not until after my divorce, like, I don't okay. think I really, and maybe I did, but I didn't know what it was, but uh-huh. I'm not one of those people that like, you know, saw, had, have had like a bunch of spiritual interactions or anything like that. Okay. But when I get readings or work with energy healers or something, they say that I have a high level of spiritual intuitiveness that there's mm-hmm. a strong connection. So right. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm still like trying to really understand it and tap mm-hmm. into it and realize it. Cause yeah. as you know, it's subtle, you know, it's yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what you have. Once you get serious about your spiritual path, it'll be like falling off a log. You're going to go into the inner world so easily. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm oh, trying you're, you're, right now. I'm trying to understand this, the signs like mm-hmm. cardinals are one of them for me. Feathers. I see feathers all the time. Ah. That's another spiritual symbol that I see. So I'm trying to get involved in that kind of communication okay. channel, but. Okay. So uh, that that's cool stuff, but it's, it's probably beyond the scope of our discussion right now. Okay. Got it. <laughs> okay. Um, so with this, um, so just know that because of the Pisces Neptune, you once you put your mind to it, uh, spiritual awakening will, will be much easier for you than it is for most people. You will okay. have more easy natural access to the levels of divine mm. subtlety because Neptune and Pisces want to dissolve all boundaries and make you one with everything. Okay. okay. Like the old joke, the, the, the Buddhist monk walks up to the hot dog vendor and he says, make me one with everything. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) Oh, anyhow, that's one of it. Also inspired creativity. With this much Pisces Neptune, you probably have a lot of just constant, in, you know. Now, this is a little, there's two intuitive energies. One is the Uranus I was talking about earlier, or Aquarius, which has just like occasional flashes. But mm-hmm. Pisces Neptune is like a constant flow, like a waterfall. Okay? Mm. So with this activated, there's just, you're always getting ideas downloading. And it just feels like sometimes there's a natural flow of all these cool ideas coming in about whatever. Just a lot of inspired creativity. Does that you sometimes get in a flow like that where just a lot of great ideas are coming down the pipeline all on, on their own. Yeah, for sure. Yes. So if it's, if it's flowing like a river, that's more Pisces Neptune flavor. Okay. Okay. Well, that's another great high side of that energy. Okay. Also it gives you easier access to the dream realms. So if you remember dreams and interpret them, or if you do conscious dreaming, anything like that, any kind of inner journeying, that's all Pisces Mm. territory as well. So there's plenty of upsides to that energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now there's also potential downsides, like with any astrology. There's no energy that's inherently good or bad. There's there's high and low for everything in astrology. Low side to watch out for and and avoid the best you can is uh, substance abuse, addiction, mm-hmm. excessive escapism, aimless drifting, being the victim in a relationship. Those are classic low expressions of Pisces Neptune. Okay. And given that your Neptune makes entirely more challenging aspects to the personal planets, I'm guessing you've had to wrestle with at least some of those at some point. Mm, Probably. Yeah. yeah. So again, if if that's been true, then don't worry about it. You, you tasted the low side said, I don't like that. Let me go high instead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and awareness is like 80% of the battle, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. So just know that, you know, and all the, the harder aspects Neptune makes says, you are energized and driven to develop the Neptune energy mm, that I'm talking yeah. about. So it, it's, it's when you have this much hard aspect energy from Neptune, it's like you're almost compelled to develop it. Yeah, it's for sure. Uh, yeah. Once I got on board and realized, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So back to the Pisces Ascendant This says, now as an empath, you, you mentioned earlier, you can feel other people's heavy energy. Uh, but you can also feel their joy and celebration, right? You can experience that too, empathically, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but of course, what we we always tend to watch out for the stuff that hurts, so we tend to notice the pain a little bit more, right? So know that you're a natural empath, and if you're evolving, then in my experience, for most people, the best solution is not to put up shields and walls and boundaries to that, but to evolve enough and get to a level of awakening where you can feel it and not have it bother you. Mm. And this may seem inconceivable if a person hasn't got to this level, as all higher levels are. But trust me, because I've I've gotten here to know that you can empathically experience another person's challenge and completely feel it and not suffer at all. If you have yeah. awakened to a level beyond that level of suffering, if you're conscious in the next level up, then you can feel it and literally not be bothered by it. And that's one of the huge benefits of attaining that level of awakening. Yeah, I don't think I'm there yet, but I'm kind of in the middle where I'm Mm -hmm. able to have compassion and Mm -hmm. not feel compelled to fix and then like take on the energy and and literally almost physically feel it. Like I've gotten to the point where I can sit with them and be with them, but not really take it on as my own, I guess. So I'm maybe in the middle with that. Yeah, that that's a big step right there. I mean, congratulations yeah. on having got that far. That's it was hard. Far that. Gosh, yeah. it was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So just know that, you know, if you want to use, you know, my invocation tools that we talked about earlier in the other podcast, but just know that if you have a way, if you feel someone else's heavy energy in your field, you know, have a effective quick technique to flush it out. You don't yes. have to carry that. It doesn't serve anyone, including yourself, to carry around another person's heavy energy. If it does no one any good, give it to the earth and let her have it. She loves that stuff. Okay. Yes. So clear yourself out, keep yourself clean, and and you'll be a much more effective agent of compassion and love for others. And yeah. and you know, so basically that's some of that Pisces uh, Neptune flavor. There's there's a lot mm-hmm. more to that, of course. So that that's I wanted to bring in that that piece of the ascendant. Do you want to get into it all into what's happening right now in your chart in terms of moving transits and what's being stimulated in this moment? Well, we didn't talk about Jupiter or Saturn. Do we want to go into those? Jupiter is kind of important, I feel like. Saturn, I'm not as concerned with, but. Okay. 
All right. Yeah, I, I agree. Jupiter is a big deal. So let, that's up at the top of your chart. And Jupiter is the only planet in the career house. And it's in Sagittarius, which is the sign it rules. So in astrology, we would say a planet in its own sign is dignified. That's the most powerful it can be. Mm. And even your midheaven sign is Sagittarius. Okay. So this is like, you know, votes all over the place for whatever Jupiter represents is what your career should look like. Okay. So what are the possible career expressions of Jupiter? The most obvious are professor, philosopher, guru, wisdom giver. And what is it you're doing with this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Guru and wisdom giver. I never thought of myself as that, but I like that. (laughs) Well, what is this podcast if not to give helpful wisdom? Yes. Yeah. You're you're Jupiter. Okay. Jupiter is also joy and hope and inspiration and enthusiasm. Mm. You bring a certain level of that to this podcast? Or whatever you do that's the what the goal is yes i certainly yeah. hope so so that's totally my, jupiter my uh there's there's other jupiter actually has more meanings than any other planet because it's such a big gas giant mm-hmm. um but i'm trying to think what other archetypal meanings might be appropriate in a career context foreign jupiter represents foreign countries foreign things you know i bet on this podcast you're bringing in lots of modalities from other countries and cultures that that foreign influence is an expression of the jupiterian energy there Jupiter's ever expanding. So like mm-hmm. never just resting on your laurels. What's the next cool thing I can grow into and expand into? Mm-hmm. Um, and in a larger sense, how large and expansive can I become in my own consciousness to serve? And how can I help those I'm serving who are listening to the podcast to do their own big expansion in their own growth? So yeah. those are are some ways that you could think of Jupiter up there at the top. Mm, now there's, cool. there's, there's a whole nother level, which is it's it's mutable. Okay, sad. The, the signs can be fixed or cardinal or immutable. And, and all of your four angles, which are the power points of the chart, houses one, four, seven, and 10, are mutable houses. So you have a fundamentally mutable energy, which says you're not just supposed to be the same forever. You're supposed to evolve and grow and shift. Okay. In fact, uh, when I look at everything we've talked about, all those Virgo, Virgo is another mutable sign. Pisces on your ascendant is a mutable sign. Your moon in Aries is cardinal. But Cardinal likes to start new things, okay? Of all the points we've talked about, no significant point is in a fixed sign, which means just keep it the same forever. In fact, your chart has very little fixed energy. Let me just double check the the balance. I have an actual calculus of that. Yeah, I mean, mutable 14, Cardinal 7, fixed 2. <laughs> so consistency I'm pretty is mutable. Very. Yeah, you've got more mutable than the rest put together by far. So so you're here to shape shift and evolve and grow and adapt and mm. constantly be a moving target. You're a process, not a thing. You know, even more than most people. So yeah. this says, you know, you are given permission to keep growing, adapting, evolving, and having it constantly change and grow and, and change. I, I know it just repeated some words, but you get the idea. So not just in career, but the whole chart and the overall energy of it says, you know, consistency is not your friend. You can stabilize for a bit, but it will not be long before you evolve some more, go into the next wonderful level. And that is just endless iteration. Well, I think that's very applicable in today's world because everything is so fast moving in general, mm-hmm. right? I mean, oh, yeah. life is fast moving. Yeah, I agree that the world itself is is more needing of that, but your chart specifically has a mm-hmm. unusually strong emphasis on you adapting, evolving, growing, changing constantly. Mm. You're Which kind of to... ties into everything, into growth, expansion, awakenings, right? right? All of that. Yeah. So, so the question, what are you going to be when you grow up, is not the right question for you. The question is, what's the next in a series of things you're going to be? Mm. You up? Yeah. Interesting. So, so my, I, I do have another question for you, which is okay. how does this tie into relationships, like romantic relationships? I would be curious to know, like, what is your guidance on that? What is, you know, what can you draw from my chart to put me on a good path? Or what does it okay. tell you about well, me? Well, fortunately, okay. the Venus and the seventh house, you know, especially in a lady's chart are really good indicators of what to look for in an ideal partner. And this is a romantic partner, but also this this will generally apply to any good relationship on any level, okay? So we've already talked about it a little. We said your seventh house cusp, the house of relationships is Virgo, okay? So be picky, you know? It's good for you to have a conscious set of criteria for what you want that partner to be and make sure that, you know, the non-negotiables are met, 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Virgo is service. You want to attract a person whose natural desire is to serve you. They want to help you, right? And mm-hmm. it should be mutual. It should go both ways. You you generally desire to help each other. It's almost like you have this little unspoken contest, which of us can help the other more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a mutual aid kind of vibe to it. The relationship should support this is a Virgo. Health should be supported on all levels, including emotional health. You know, mm-hmm. the partnership should naturally support each of your emotional health. And there might be some kind of partnership around something you do together that requires a certain level of perception and refinement. That's a potential of the relationship as well. Okay. So that's just for starters. So let's look at that's just the seventh house. Now there's there's several directions. We can look at the planets in the relational house. There's a couple in there. We can look at the ruler Mercury and how it's set up. We can also look at aspects to the descendant. So there's actually three additional layers we can bring on here to flesh out that whole relationship picture. So what about uh, Mars doesn't come into play in that at all? Not or no? so much. No. Honestly. Okay. I mean, Mars mm-hmm. is very loosely conjunct the descendant, but he's like, he's almost 10 degrees away. And that's so barely conjunct that it's almost not mm. there. So I, I would say Mars is a, it's one of the last things I would look at to modify your relational energy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but what I would look at is let's go to the ruler, Mercury. Okay. So Mercury is in Leo. So you might look for some Leonine qualities in the partner on what's leader. It's a natural leader or entertainer. Someone with charisma, mm. a little, you know, a little, you know, personality. Yeah. Someone who lights up the room possibly. So someone who has good leadership energy would be something to look for. Um, someone who can be childlike and playful. Those are Leo qualities. Someone who's got some of that vibe about them would be good. Uh, but try to stay away from the arrogant, vain Leo. Um, yeah. Brings up my favorite Leo joke. The Leo says, oh, but I've talked enough about myself. Why don't you talk about me for a while? Oh, well, and I think one of the points that you're making that's interesting is it has to balance with some of the other elements that you were mentioning earlier, which Mm -hmm. is helping each other, showing up for each other and that kind of thing. It's like, how do you integrate someone that has that charismatic, dynamic Leo energy Mm -hmm. with kind of the showing up and serving and, and partnership side of it too. And I can, I can tell you how to, cause I have strong Leo and I have strong Virgo in my chart. Okay? Mm-hmm. And in my earlier life, I was pretty arrogant and vain myself. Okay. I've slowly mm. worked out of that to at least a significant degree, I hope. But what I've learned is Leo and Virgo get along great when you only show up and shine to serve. Yeah. Again, when you activate Leo, I want to entertain or I want to lead, but not, to gain only personal benefit at the expense of others, I want to show up and lead or entertain to serve other people. I want right, to be a which is to the difference between right. arrogance and yeah, service. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a critical piece of how to marry any two energies, mm. even if they seem opposed, can be harmoniously integrated if you're clever enough. I love I've it's so funny because I've always been drawn to Leos. I one of my best friends is a Leo and yeah, I I like Leos. Well, your relationship ruling planets in Leo. It's a natural from an astrology (laughs) perspective. Okay. And as it happens, Mercury strongly connects to most of the planets in that T square I was describing with the moon and Uranus and Chiron. So Mercury, you know, makes a harmonious sextile to Uranus. It makes a strong trine to the moon and Chiron. So all those factors get positively energized. So these add some other flavors to the partner. You want someone who's unique and special, a one of a kind mm-hmm. person. You want someone who is a good giver of wisdom and you can exchange you know, positive, helpful energy to each other and information, a good healing influence, if I didn't say that already. And with Mercury trying the moon, someone with whom you have a natural, easy, harmonious, emotional connection. I want it all, Benjamin. Yeah. I want the, well, the full package and I want yeah. them all in. That's, well, you that's know, what you, I want. Sometimes <laughs> the universe gives you what to settle for. So what I recommend yeah. is, you you know, if, mm. if whatever resonates with what I say, write it all down and make a written list. Here's my order for my next partner, you know. Yeah. And, and when you add in the karma-free safety clause, you've totally nailed it. To the greatest extent that serves highest good, this or something better. Mm, and that so way great. you can yes. you you shoot for the moon with your description and the universe gets as close as it can or gives you something 
even better than what you had specified that you could even get something better than what you imagined. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. that's what I would do with this. I'm just checking any other strong mercury connections. Those are the most critical. When we look what at what about ask- does Venus tie into totally. relationships? Yeah, because yes. that's in Cancer, and that's what exactly. I've read in the past is that how I I love in a relationship is through almost like nesting and homemaking and mm-hmm. that you know that kind of thing. It really just repeats the trine to the moon because the moon and Cancer are the same energy. One's mm-hmm. a planet, one's a fly. Both mean the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So that just says, make sure your partner has a sensitive side. You want mm-hmm. a, uh, a guy who's in touch with his feminine side. Or I'm, I'm, I'm making a presumption about gender. Forgive me. Whatever the gender is, this person needs to have be in touch with their own emotions and have a soft feminine energy that's available. Mm-hmm. Okay. A sensitive side was what I would say for that. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. And that's um, okay. You can use he. That's Okay. All right. Thanks for clarifying. That. <laughs> totally I, I, not cool. Yeah. I have all kinds of clients, gay, Accurate. bisexual, trans. Yeah. Okay. That was a faux pas. So that's kind of what Venus has. And with Venus next to the lunar nodes, then make sure that if you're going to get into a serious relationship, make sure it serves your life purpose. Make sure you, you, it's clear yeah. to you being with this person clearly and obviously supports my life purpose and doesn't run interference with it. You know, that that's to me a, a, a deal breaker right there. You make sure that the relationship mm. moves you forward in your mission uh, as a human being. And lastly, I'm just checking aspects to the descendant itself. I'm seeing if there's anything that's uh, actually everything I've talked about already of critical importance aspects the descendant as well. As it turns out, your descendant and Mercury and Venus are all around the same degree numbers. Mercury is 17. The descendant is 18. Venus is 19. So they're pretty much receiving aspects from all the same planets and points. Mm-hmm. So the aspects of the descendant, it's all the same planets and we've covered them. So what I've given you is a, is a, all that I haven't done is the planets in the seventh house. Okay. The, the first two planets up in house number seven is the asteroid goddess Ceres, closely followed by Pluto. As it turns out, one's an asteroid goddess, one's an outer planet. They actually carry two of the same primal meanings. And one of them is, shadow work okay i'm not afraid of shadow work anymore benjamin with these two guys in your seventh house tell me if i'm wrong but any significant relationship of any kind has pushed your button sometimes and brought up old wounds and traumas oh yes that's that's like a for sure a positive yeah right so that's that's by design i mean that's universally true but it looks like it's especially true for you Okay. Yeah. So just understand so when you get triggered. Interesting. My gosh. Yeah. yeah. So when you get triggered, just understand I'm being given a wonderful opportunity to face and clear once and for all an old trauma within myself from this life or a past life. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. And because this person did me the favor of bringing it up hot and fresh, it was all crusty and dried over. Getting mm. it catalyzed says, oh, "Well, half half of it's done. It's now bubbling hot and fresh. It's halfway healed already. All I yeah. have to do is drain it out." Yes. And, and as we you make it sound other, so easy. It is that easy. <laughs> it is. You know, with my healing invocation, you just yes. say higher self, maximum healing and serve size good. Please relax and it'll flush it out. Oh my God. You can heal it and not even fully understand what it was. Yeah. That's so, so freeing, right? Because yeah. I think I get into my Virgo analytical mind thinking of why how what does that mean mm-hmm. and it's like i need to let that go i think that will be huge in healing yeah. for me and yeah. stopping the cycling of the understanding and just letting mm-hmm. it go yeah i mean how many people do you know who've done years of psychotherapy and they have a deep understanding of their neuroses but they still have them yeah right okay. But, you know, there's a Let saying in internal go. family systems therapy, they say no healing happens in the prefrontal cortex, which is a fancy mm. way of saying you're not going to heal it with your intellect. Yes. You have to so feel true. the God. shamanic rule is you have to feel it to heal it. But Benjamin, so many people are afraid to feel. That has been my experience with, right? you know, relationships well, oh, and people me that just, I'm close to. That I know. Let me jump in and plug my healing invocation then because this tool yeah. allows them 
to safely bring up any old trauma. Mm. It is guaranteed not to overwhelm them. And yeah. if they, and let me just give you a variation on the healing invocation we didn't get into on my other podcast with you, which mm-hmm. is you can deliberately bring up an old trauma that bothers you and bring it up strongly in your mind. And then you say to your higher self, maximum healing that serves highest good, please. And just relax and feel the intense energy that you catalyze by remembering the trauma. Mm-hmm. And your higher self will stir it up and flush it away. And it will only bring up as much as you can do. And using the healing invocation container guarantees your psychological safety. I have something very yeah. specific I want to heal. I'm going to try it tonight yeah. and do that. Yeah, let me know how it works. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I'll text you. Yeah. What I can tell you is I've done this with thousands of people for 11 years. I've had all kinds of people do this intense, deliberate healing of old traumas. I've never had a single person report overwhelm. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. So, yeah. Good. So great. So, yeah. People want to uh, learn more about that, they can get my book, Instant Divine Assistance Your Complete Guide to Fast and Easy Spiritual Healing, Awakening, and More on Amazon. And the book completely covers all this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. we'll have the links in the show notes for everybody. Make Thank it you. super okay. easy. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I, it felt appropriate to to mention that since we just talked about it. Absolutely. <laughs> Always. It's great. Okay. So, so basically, back to our interpretation. So, yes. with Pluto and Ceres, both of which represent shadow work. You're going to get triggered by even the ones who are closest to and who mean the best for you. It's also a warning. Do not maintain relationship with people who are deliberately abusive, psychologically or physically. Mm. Yeah. Or mentally. You know, if someone is clearly for whether they mean to or not, doesn't matter. But if they are abusive to you and they're clearly not shifting the pattern, get out. Yeah. So, but what will happen even with the best meaning people who, who would never desire to harm you, they will trigger you anyway without meaning to, because your higher self will make use of them to trigger your old trauma so you can heal them once and for all. Yeah. 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 And, and then you get the high side of Pluto and Ceres because everything isn't just low. Pluto and Ceres both are wealth. Ceres is the grain goddess. She's harvest. She's abundance. Pluto is wealth and power. So you want to hang out with those people who you feel they're they're at catalyzing your own wealth, power, and transformation. So basically, wealth and power are completely available with Pluto and Ceres, and thus any good relationship will ultimately be wealth-inducing, wealth-enhancing. That that could be money, but wealth is anything you value. Mm-hmm. You know, for some people, wealth is the ability to go take a walk in the park with their dog. Okay. Yeah. So wealth is whatever is valuable to you. So get clear on what your wealth is and make sure whatever relationships you go into support that wealth. I love this. This is so cool. Okay. And power. Okay. Mm -hmm. So just to briefly cover, power has two flavors, power over and power shared. Power over is I dominate, control, and keep you under my thumb, and I get what I want from you, and I could care less what happens to you. That's that's dark power or power over. Mm -hmm. Um, Shared power is I need to be powerful myself. So I can lift you up. You know, so it's like empowering power. each other, kind of, right. is what you so mean. So classic low power would that. be, yeah, low, low power would be like Hitler and Mussolini and, you know, tyrannical people like yeah. that. High power would be Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King Jr. and people like that. Yeah. Okay. Very powerful, but really wanting to uplift everyone with the power. Okay. So that's, so, so make sure that your partner is is working to help you step into your full power. And they're a positive catalyst for that. So those are, we've covered a lot of ground there and I haven't hit every single factor, but I've hit what I perceive to be the most important ones around what do you want in a partnership? Yeah, thank you. That was so helpful. I love that. It was just gave me a lot to think about and it's so interesting. Gosh, I want to give this like a reading like this to so many people, what a gift. I think so many people are going to want to do this after they hear this episode because gosh, it just resonated with me. And there were so many truths, but also lessons, you know, like guidance on Mm -hmm. once you know yourself and you kind of understand things, it gives you some clarity and just, Mm -hmm. and even permission in certain ways, like the Aries moon is like, oh gosh, I can allow that. Like I can tap into that. That's so fun to me. I love it. Yeah. And Aries moon should be fun. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Virgos need to learn how to have a little fun. I'm telling you, it takes yeah, it's hard can... for us to get there. <laughs> yeah, that's not natural for Virgo, but you got plenty of other things oh, that like that fun. You're good. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, any parting words? It's been a beautiful yeah. session. Thank you. Um, just Loved every minute. You, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to cover just the transits in a okay. super brief. You have okay. Pluto on your North Node. It is totally time to align with your life purpose now. Okay. You have Neptune square your midheaven by transit. That means it's time to dissolve out anything career related that doesn't serve you and to hold the clear vision of what you want the career to look like. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, it'll change later, but the best you can envision it now. You have transit Uranus square Mercury. You're probably getting all kinds of intuitive hits that are giving you radical new thoughts and concepts. Work with those. Don't just reject them. Be open to the paradigm shifts that the divine is downloading to you right now. And you're in your Chiron return and Chiron's on your moon. So that means that an unusually high amount of shadow work has been happening and will happen for a few months more. So work with that skillfully with good shadow work tools and know that it's also encouraging to step out as the wisdom giver and the healer yourself, which you're doing with this podcast and I'm sure in other ways too. So those are the, that's the quick whirlwind tour of the most critical energies at this moment. Mm, So great. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to listen to this whole thing again and take (laughs) meticulous notes. It's so good. Uh, And I should probably plug my own, if someone wants to, if they're, wow, I I want to get a reading with this guy, you know? Yes. How do they find you? Well, astroshaman.com, A-S-T-R-O-S-H-A-M-A-N.com. And on the top, there's a services tab. You pull it down, you'll, they'll see astrology plus. If they want a reading with me, they can do that. And there's other services too, they'll see, but obviously our focus today has been on astrology. So I'd be delighted to do a reading with whoever wants to sign up for one. Oh, it's amazing. We'll put the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Benjamin. What a treat. What a gift you have. It was so fun. Well, I just, I am so profoundly grateful that you've honored me by inviting you under me onto your podcast, not one, but two episodes. So uh, so I'm so honored to get a double dip and I just hope that this serves your, your listeners in some way. How can it not? I mean, it was so good. Thanks for joining today's episode of See the Upside podcast. For more details about today's guest and show notes and links, visit our website at seetheupside.com. You can find us on Instagram at see.theupside and Facebook at seetheupside. If you love today's show, please spread the light by giving us a rating or sharing it with a friend. We appreciate you so much and love sharing the positivity with anyone who could be inspired by it. We're all on a beautiful journey and it's so much more fun doing it together and sharing our stories with each other along the way. Can't wait till next time.